Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, what's up, New Orleans? What's up across the Gulf South? And to you listening across the world at WWL.com and the Radio.com app. And welcome on in, Tiger fans who hung around after an exciting win in overtime again. The seventh time LSU has gone to overtime this year. And they win again the sixth time, 79-78 over Florida in a game that, well, might have not even needed to actually get there. But resiliency, again, shines through for this young LSU team that has key seniors and upperclassmen in critical spots that's been important. And like a very a wise man once said, winning cures everything. So this game probably didn't need to even get to overtime. There were some miscues by LSU late, which we'll get to. But a win's a win, and that's what matters here. And LSU finishes 9-0 and in conference play on the road for the first time in program history. And more important than that, they now move back into a tie with Tennessee atop the conference standings with just one game to play. Both teams are 15-2, and and that means if LSU takes care of Vandy this weekend, Vandy who is winless in conference play, they should. That means at worst they'll have a share of the conference lead, but they have that tiebreaker with Tennessee, so they'll likely be the number one seed in the conference tournament. That's very important, as that means they'll be on the opposite side of that bracket of Tennessee and Kentucky. Right off the top here, let's bring in Tyler Nunez of TigerAg.com. Colors LSU hoops there at by Tyler Nunez. Uh, uh, Tyler, wow, what what a game again. This is <laughs> It just never ends for this LSU club. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it seems like every time they play, we have to deal with this. Uh, <laughs> it can be a little stressful, even for a non for for uh, a non biased viewer. But uh, they win another LS, they win another overtime game. That's their fifth of the season. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know really what else to say. They went out, they they go out and beat these teams that that, that uh, they they struggle against. And I, I mean, wow, uh, they're one one what should be easy win away from winning an SEC title. Yeah, one win away, which is pretty incredible. Uh, fun or, or, I guess, stressful like you put it, whatever it is, it's been exciting. Uh, let's talk about the good here first, though. What, what stands out for me more than anything, and there is bad that stood out too, but the good is the resiliency that I just talked about, Tyler. Um, I, is this, it has to, I guess, bode well for their conference and NCAA tournament hopes if they're winning these kind of games with frequency. You would think so, yeah. I mean, like, like you said, there are some problems. Like they they were up by ten in the first half, and things kind of fell apart due to some turnover issues. And that's been kind of a theme throughout the season. When they get a big lead, they tend to turn the ball over a lot more often and take some bad shots. But uh, but their their ability to kind of bounce back from that and win those six minute games that Will Wade talks about at the end of every game uh, is huge. I mean, the the fact that they've been able to win so many tight games and this this is nothing new. It seems like all but three of LSU's SEC games have come down to the wire like this, and they're I mean they're they've only lost two of them. So they're 15 and two with one game left. So uh, it says a lot about uh, how well coached they are, and it says a lot about how resilient they are despite their youth. Indeed, uh, let's talk about the, the ending of this 
a regulation, not the game, but the actual regulation, because these, these yeah. errors that LSU has late in games, Tyler, they keep cropping mm -hmm. up. You had a Skylar Mays miss free throw, front end of a one and one which is just a little bit inexplicable considering he shoots, what, 87% or so on the season. Then you have another, and we've seen this before, another just bad Waters turnover late, and he's a, he's a koozie finalist. I just don't think these kind of things can happen uh, and shouldn't be happening at this time of year. Yeah, no, it's kind of it's kind of wild. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of mostly frustrating because up until that point, he had had a really good end of the game. Uh, it's like he was going to carry him to victory. Yeah, that turnover was just inexcusable and it came at the worst possible time uh it allowed florida to, to get that last three three pointer that put him up by two with six seconds and luckily it was from waters who was able to bring it down the floor and get a layup to force overtime but uh if it weren't if it weren't for that turnover they're probably not in that position to begin with so what's the issue with Tremont here late in games uh, with the turnover issues? Now he redeemed himself with that coast-to-coast -coast driving lane, and everybody's going to remember that, as they should. But what's the issue here with his turnover mm -hmm. problems late? Um, I think he just tries to do a little bit too much. Uh, he's a guy who, who had to do too much last season. I think when they're in situations like that, he feels like he has to revert to that kind of uh, mentality again. And when in reality, he has a lot of guys around him who can help him out. Uh, whenever he's able to kind of pass the ball off and, and – and, and distribute the ball uh, the way he does for most of the game, that's when LSU is at their best. Uh, and I think once he realizes that, uh, that he can do that in situations like that, they're probably going to be a lot better off. It's Tyler Nunez of TigerRag.com here talking about LSU's 79-78 win in overtime. Critical win for, floor, uh, for LSU at Florida in Gainesville on the road. How do you think the selection committee is going to view this game and this win? Do you think uh, it's because of the way it ended, close overtime game, they don't give any credence here? Do you think it's a win? Uh, is Florida quadrant one here? They've got to be, right? So this would be a quadrant they, one I think at on this the point they have to be. Yeah, I think they're 35, they're, they're 35 in the net on the road. I think that's uh, – I think that's definitely a quadrant one win, um, and, and I think that I think the NCAA tournament will or, or their committee will look on it favorably. I mean, they were LSU was an underdog coming into this game in Vegas and in Ken Palm, so uh, they were able to pull out a win despite themselves and despite that. And uh, I, I don't see how that's anything other than impressive, frankly. You mentioned Ken Palm there, and those are the sites that I tell my audience to check, Ken Palm, Sagarin, Net. also. All three of those rankings have LSU lagging behind their seating and lagging behind their ranking in the coaches' poll and the AP poll. Why do you think that is? Um, I just – of the fact that they have only one game, those close games that we talked about uh, early in the – uh, earlier in this interview, I think that that's part of the reason those those uh, formulas like you to beat to beat teams by more than two or three points at a time. So um, I think that uh, had they had more convincing wins throughout the SEC schedule, I think they'd probably be a little bit higher. Um, but I, again, I think that the fact that they've won all these games, the NCAA tournament committee is not just going to ignore that. That there that there's a reason there's a human element to these things, and it's not just robots. Uh, yeah, that's a good point, uh, Tyler. Uh, a couple of, uh, look, little nitty basketball nerdy details to get to here. Uh, first, the LSU was running their offense through Nas Reed for the most part in the second half. What did you make of that? Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. I thought they had to use their post in this game. Uh, I think, and I thought what we saw earlier in the game, especially on defense, they weren't letting Florida kind of get into the post. Uh, and I think that uh, LSU has such a size advantage against teams like that that they need to uh, utilize it at – 
at every possible moment. Uh, and when LSU's offense was running well, they were able to get the ball to Nas Reed and Kevin Williams, and they were able to make things happen that way. A good portion of their points came from the post, and at pretty much against any team, LSU wants to be able to score well in the post because they're not a three-point shooting team. Uh, they're an offensive rebounding team. They get a lot of putbacks, and they score really effectively in the paint, and that, that's where they want to be. In this game, Nas Reed with just uh, nine points and just the one assist. This is why I look at that and I'm thinking, you got to be a little bit better facilitator if you're Nas in that point. I'm just wondering, teachable moment, I guess, for, for Coach Wade with Nas. This is how he wants to run his offense, head into the conference and NCAA tournament. But uh, Nas has a little grow in there to do, right? Obviously. Nas still has a lot of work to do. Um, I think it. Uh, a lot of people had higher expectations for him, but he's been pretty solid this season. He's very underrated as an asset on defense, especially. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's still got some growing to do. He's not really great off the dribble. He's not, him trying to kind of control the game in that way uh, doesn't really typically go his way. Uh, but uh, he, he's still got a lot of growth to go. But, I mean, he's such a versatile scorer. And he's so valuable on defense. I, I think they're pretty happy with where he's at right now. Tyler Nunez with us at by Tyler Nunez on Twitter. You can find his worth at Tiger Rag. Uh, let's talk about the final defensive possession here of the game. Uh, what's oh. going on with the the random one three one that led to what I thought would happen—a wide open look for Hudson—and he buried it. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I thought they were doing pretty well defensively for the most part. Uh, I, I know that that Florida was hitting a lot of shots, but a lot of those were contested. Uh, so I, I I don't really agree with it. I'm I'm personally against the zone defense in general. I don't think it's a uh, it, it's not my favorite way to run a defense, especially late in games. But uh, but I, I guess Will Wade saw something he liked. Unfortunately, uh, it kind of broke down on him, and uh, somebody somebody kind of bailed on their assignment and left a guy wide open. Uh, but uh, again, Waters was able to kind of make up for it, and you know, they, they were able to force overtime. Okay, the guy that they left open was Jalen Hudson, who was averaging 13 yeah, the points a game Yeah, very wrong guy. That's exactly <laughs> right. why I hate the zone, especially late games, because that's what it's prone to, right? Like, you're, you're kind yeah. of, like, going where the, the, the offense or where the defense dictates you to go instead of staying with a guy that you need to. So I'm, if you're going to go zone, I'm much more a fan of a matchup zone. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess we'll wait on something. Unfortunately, it was the wrong thing. Yeah, not with Hudson scoring 30 yeah, points tonight. And again, yeah, Tyler, didn't fantastic. this expose a huge weakness for LSU? And that's having they, they just have that lockdown defender that you need sometimes and most of the time to make a run deep in March. I think it might be their their one huge Achilles heel here. Do you disagree? Um, not necessarily. I, I, a guy could definitely go out there and beat him. I think that. Uh, it, it's they seem to struggle with that because Arkansas is another team like that where they have Daniel Gafford and Gafford was able to gash him in both games, uh, forcing overtime in the first one, and then Arkansas obviously beat LSU in the PMAC the second time. And I think Will Wade's philosophy going into those games, well, if he's the only one to beat us, who, who can beat us, then and we shut down everybody else, we should have a pretty good shot of winning the game. But I'm not really, it hasn't really worked out that way. So I think he might have to switch that philosophy up a little bit and try to find a way to uh, force them to distribute the ball a little bit more often. All right, now that we're just weeks away from the NCAA uh, selection show and selection Sunday, what's your thoughts on where LSU right now? And I understand there's still a conference tournament to go, but right now, where would you have LSU? Where do you think they'll be? I mean, if it, if they were picking tomorrow, I think I still have them as a three seed, but I think there's room for them to move up to a two seed if they if, if they beat Vanderbilt, win a share of the conference title, and then at least make the SEC championship game, I think that they can move their way into a two seed. Any shot for a one seed? All Tiger fans want to know. No, that. 
No, I'm going to say there's absolutely no shot for a one seed unless they, I, I mean, I guess maybe if they just dominated their way through the SEC tournament. But I mean, it's just so crowded up there. Um, I, I, I don't see them even as much as Duke is struggling. Uh, I don't see them getting past the Duke of Virginia, uh, a Gonzaga. I, I just don't see it happening. It's Tyler Nunez, the Tiger Act. Tyler, always appreciate the chats. We'll do it again soon. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Make sure you follow his work at TigerAg.com and at by Tyler Nunez on Twitter. LSU victorious tonight in Gainesville, 79-78. One of the tougher places to play in the conference. They win in overtime for the fifth time in seven tries. We're going to break. When we come back, your chance to weigh in here, Tiger fans. What do you think about this win? A game that shouldn't have gone to overtime because of more LSU miscues late, but what matters is that they won. Top 10 team wins again on the road. 504-260-1870. That's the phone number. That's 504-260-1870. And the text line is 870-870. We'll also get to my notes and thoughts from the game coming up next year on the last lap. LSU wins tonight on the road at Florida, 79-78. They avenge a home loss to the Gators a couple of weeks ago. That game also in overtime. LSU now five wins in seven tries in overtime. And for me, resiliency, the big key, and word of the day, word of the season for LSU. They've been so resilient, not just with these overtime games, but able to come back from double-digit deficits, able to come back late in games, and frankly, able to stay atop a conference that not many people, if any, outside of Baton Rouge and Louisiana gave them a shot to do with Tennessee and Kentucky and Auburn and everybody else here in the preseason and Alabama. And well, here LSU is one win away from a split, at least, of the conference's regular season title. Exciting times for LSU basketball. Been a long time, been a decade since you had this much excitement around the program but like many of the Tigers wins this season I kind of think you can shape your view of this depending on which lens you view it through that LSU they beat a team that just beat them a couple of weeks ago a team that's going to be a tournament team quadrant one road win that the selection committee will likely um, view in a good light or that they nearly bumbled this uh, win away in the start uh, in the late stages, I should say, of the fourth quarter. But let's start with their resiliency because that's what matters most here. They found themselves trailing by eight points with a handful of minutes left. They summarily scored eight straight points, tied it up, took a lead lake. And then they would find themselves trailing again with under 10 seconds left after, well, we'll get to it in a second, everything that happened. But they found a way to tie it up, send it in overtime, and they found a way to win again. Fight, grit, never give up. That's the attitude that this team has shown more times than not this season. It's one of the reasons that LSU is in this spot to claim a regular season SEC conference crown. Remember, winning cures everything, and LSU won. Now, late game miscues again haunt the Tigers, and this should be familiar to everybody because this has happened way too much. This game should not have gone into overtime. just shouldn't have. And you've heard it before. With under 40 seconds left, LSU's up by three. He had Waters deciding, and I don't know why, to force a dribble into traffic. And then he had it stolen away, leading to a breakaway dunk. And LSU was up by three. In, in that spot, you wind the clock down, take the shot clock all the way down, try to get the best look that you can. And the worst-case scenario there is Florida's coming back with about 10 seconds or so left, down by three, needing a three. So instead, now you're only up by one, and you got 30 seconds left, and now Florida's going to play the foul game, trying to get it back with a chance to win on their last possession. And guess what? That's what happened. 
because Skyler Mays, who's an 86% free throw shooter on the season, he missed the front end of a one-and-one one with under a minute left. Earlier against Florida, a couple of weeks ago, free throw problems played a huge part in that loss. So Florida takes that lead, and we know LSU comes back to win, but that you can't completely overlook this, and I know Will Wade won't when he's in practice. And I'll say this about Waters. He redeemed himself with that coast-to-coast driving lay-in. It was exceptional, and he is a Koozie Award finalist for a reason. He's one of the best point guards in the country. That's why I say this. He is way too talented to keep making these boneheaded errors late in games. I understand he's just a sophomore. I understand he's a young guy playing college basketball, but frankly, Waters is way too good, and he's been in this program too long to keep having these moments late in games. Remember that moment against Arkansas earlier this year? really reminded me of that, and we would have been talking about that had LSU lost. One of the other issues here was their perimeter defense. They allowed Jalen Hudson, who was averaging just 13.7 points per game coming into this game, to score 33 points in all sorts of ways. The Tigers have had issues this season defending elite guards who can score in a multitude of ways off the dribble, from the perimeter, from the free throw line, well, they had all sorts of problems. The most problems here with Hudson, and here's the thing. If LSU, not if, but when they get to the NCAA tournament, when they're playing these premier elite programs and premier elite guards across the country, they're not going to have that true lockdown perimeter defender, and it could come back to bite them. There's just too many good, there's too many great guards out there, especially in tournament time where the lack of that true lockdown defender, I think, might come back to bite him. Also, Nas Reed playing point forward. We just talked about it with Tyler Nunez. Waters was still bringing the ball up court, but Nas Reed was getting touches on basically every possession until he got smacked in the face late in overtime and had to come out when his mouth was bleeding. Didn't really look comfortable. I understand Florida was sending double teams sometimes, triple teams his way pretty often, but when he finished with just nine points and just one assist when you're touching the ball on every single possession – it's just not good enough. And Nasri would probably be the first one to tell you that. Just not good enough. More teachable moments here for Coach Wade. Speaking of Wade, I talked about it with Tyler. Also, this decision to get tricky and go 1-3-1 zone on the most important possession of regulation when Florida had called a timeout and they're getting the ball back with, what, about nine seconds left. I, I, I didn't really understand it. And, look, Will Wade's got a much – greater basketball mind than I will ever have. Okay, so Will Wade gets to make these mistakes. He's paid to make these decisions, and yes, even paid to make sometimes these mistakes. But when you have Jalen Hudson scoring at will, including from the outside, you just knew that he was going to get a wide-open look there, and, well, guess what? He did. Uh, But the biggest thing here is LSU needs just one more win against this conference punching bag this year that is Vanderbilt to secure at least a tie of the SEC regular season crown and a number one seed in the conference tournament next week commodores haven't won a game they're playing tonight but haven't won coming into tonight in conference play you don't expect them to put up much of a fight on saturday but we've seen lsu play down to some opponents but one more win here you, you got to think they're not going to overlook vandy with a conference title on the line and a number one seed into the conference tournament and that is huge because if they get that number one seed they will be on the opposite half of the bracket, likely of Kentucky and of Tennessee. That's the conference's two biggest challengers to LSU. Not likely. They will be on the opposite half of the bracket. Also, be sure you keep an eye on all these projection sites, uh, all the bracketologists, Jerry Palm at CBS, Joel Lenardi, ESPN, Chris Daubertin is going to be on the show a little bit later in the next couple of days to see if their seed moves up or down. They were high as a two seed. That was in 
Jerry Palm's projections at CBS. They were as low as a four seed earlier this week. Joe Lenardi, ESPN. See what happens. Also keep an eye on net Ken Palm Sager in tomorrow morning to see if LSU moves up from the high teens, early 20s spots. They were in most of those. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. Hop on in, LSU fans. we got a segment where you can sound off. I'm Seth Dunlap Logan behind the glass. It's the last lap on WWL. I'll give you a little behind the scenes. I'll tell you who I was messaging with here. But somebody, uh, we, were, we were talking, we were actually just talking during the last couple of breaks about LSU this Saturday against Vanderbilt, who, again, is winless in conference play. This person said, man, you just got to get super excited about that game as they have a chance to win a conference title. Yeah, look, when LSU hasn't done it for a long time, when you get a chance to win a conference title, even a regular season title, it, it does mean something. It means a lot. But let's be honest here. It's college basketball. The conference tournament matters a lot more than what happens in the regular season. The conference championship, conference tournament championship, would mean tenfold more than a regular season title. And then, of course, what happens in the NCAA tournament matters more than everything else. So can you get a little excited? Sure. You, you just haven't happened in a while here. And me personally, no, it's about what's going to happen to the conference tournament. It's about what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament. A share of that conference regular season crown is nice. But those, uh, you know, any banners that they'll hang up for that will certainly be well overshadowed by conference tournament championships and what happens in the NCAA tournament. They can hang up like a Sweet 16 banner or something like that. So long answer short here, I'm not too excited about this game with Vanderbilt. I'm just being honest here. Well, let's see what happens in the conference tournament, and I'm super excited about what happens in the NCAA tournament. Here's a text from the 985. If LSU does not stop missing those early, the easy shots within five feet of the rim, they will be lucky to win a first-round game in the big dance. I'm not too worried about their presence around the basket. They're just too athletic, too big, too physical inside with Bigby Williams and Nas Reed. And Emmett Williams, who was fantastic tonight with 13 points and 14 rebounds, they're going to give anybody in the country fits on the interior. And I mean even... A team like Duke, who I don't know, fits maybe too strong of a word for Duke, but some of these teams that just have maulers on the inside, LSU can actually match up with those guys. What would scare me more is if they're facing a team oh, like Virginia, like Gonzaga, that has these guards and uh, forwards who can step outside and score either off the dribble, score from the perimeter, inside-out players. Because, again, like I said in the News and Notes segment last uh, what, about five minutes ago, they just don't have that lockdown defender on the perimeter. They've got defenders on the interior. They don't have that backcourt uh, defender, and it's it, it gonna, really going to worry me here that LSU is just going to give up loads of points, boatloads of points to those kind of players in the NCAA tournament. So I'm, I'm not too worried about their front court play, though. Text from the 985, go Tigers, what a great victory. No doubt about it. And that's what matters most. I mean, we're, we're nitpicking here with LSU. The only reason we are nitpicking LSU is because they played so well and won so many games this year. That's the status that they now have as a team that, frankly, is probably expected to make a sweet 16 second week in the NCAA tournament. When you're that good and you have those expectations, it's time to nitpick a little bit. So wins a win, nitpicking is certainly uh, allowed uh, here. LSU Saturday against Vanderbilt. You can hear that right here on WWL. Uh, Some other scores uh, going on right now. There is an NBA game here locally. That's the Pelicans uh, post Mardi Gras over in the Smoothie King Center. I got conflicting reports. I got one report saying not a lot of people there. I've got another 
uh, report saying, well, there was a lot of people here. Uh, but there wasn't. Uh, uh, from what I saw, not a ton of people. And the Pelicans, uh, they do lose 114 to 104 to the Jazz. The Jazz enacting some revenge for that earlier Pelicans victory. Uh, Anthony Davis back in action. 21 minutes tonight, 16 points. 23 for Julius Randle. Uh, Drew Holiday, quiet night for him. 04 from long range and just 16 points. 504-260-1870. Text line is 870-870. We've got much more to come on the show. Second hour, Chris Daubertine, who blogs and writes for SB Nation, bloggingthebracket.com. He's one of the bracketologists, puts up projections every single day. He will join us. We've got Sports Lib second hour. We'll talk a little Alvin Gentry. Is he becoming a folk hero here locally with his handling of the Anthony Davis situation? But coming up next... It's Carter Bryant, Carter the Power, my friend, friend of the show, joins us every week. We're going to talk some LSU hoops. We'll talk some Alvin Gentry and Anthony Davis and the cornucopia smorgasbord of topics here. Carter, coming next here on the last lap. Talking a lot of LSU basketball tonight. LSU baseball in action, trying to bounce back from that serious sweep at the hands of the Texas Longhorns, and they are tonight. They lead Holy Cross 9-2, to two, heading to the ninth inning over at the box. So LSU... Looks like they will indeed bounce back three outs away from breaking that losing streak. Let's bring on in Carter Bryant here at Carter the Power on Twitter, host of his show on 1071 FM and 1400 AM in South Arkansas. He's a stand-up comic. He's an LSU grad. And uh, i got to tell you, you're probably pretty excited about this overtime road win for the Tigers, buddy. Going on. Yeah, man, I'm feeling good. I'm running faster than a Devin White 40-yard dash right now, oh. man. I'm 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 pretty pumped up uh, seeing LSU basketball being awesome this year, and you know Seth, it all has to do with uh, all their players being able to make plays down the stretch. You know, Will Wade has put this team in great position to make big plays, but every single one of LSU's players, they do something in crunch time. Well, uh, obviously we we know Tremont Waters can get to the rim. Skylar Mays is going to be able to hit those clutch free throws. Naz Reed hits everything. I mean, he can hit you a clutch three if you need it. And Clayton Bigsby-Williams is just so good at the rim. And obviously, Javante's smart. You know, he can get to the rim whenever he wants to. So, you know, just having five guys down the stretch that are all weapons, that can all hit big shots for you, it reminds me so much of the Final Four team where you had Garrett Temple and you had Tazman uh, Mitchell and all these amazing players. So, yeah, it's hard not to think of that group, except this group is possibly even better. You know, I've never asked you this. You are obviously a huge LSU football fan. You're a big NBA fan. And I think you probably represent the majority of LSU alum. I don't want to put words in your mouth there. Would you describe yourself as a casual basketball fan? Yeah, I, I, w- I would say just a little bit better, I guess. I, I don't watch every Pelicans game. I don't watch every LSU basketball game. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would say right around there. Yeah, and the reason I ask, and I guess I have a, a similar story with my alma mater because WSU was just terrible. I guess we had a couple of years when Tony Bennett was there that they were good, and that was fun. But even though I went to WSU, I, I was still a huge Gonzaga fan because that was, you know, growing up as a little tyke, it was the team I rooted for. Um, so I, I am curious about, like, the transformation here of all these very casual LSU basketball fans that you kind of represent that now seem to be all on board for this run, with his, which is great, Carter. 
yeah, you know, I'm not going to lie. When LSU basketball is not good, I don't watch them. When they're great, I mean, it's hard for me to miss a game, especially considering how many close games LSU has played this year in the SEC. Uh, all their SEC games in January, set. they played seven SEC games. All seven of them were decided by six points or more. They have played ten SEC games since then. All of those games have been decided by five points or less. So it, it does also help uh, from a casual perspective. Every time you put LSU on, on your television, you're going to get one heck of a game. Uh, so, so that's definitely <laughs> helped out. And, uh, you know, LSU as a fan, so many fans love the baseball team. So many fans obviously love the basketball team. So to have that same diehard passion, uh, excuse me, the football team, to have that same diehard passion uh, for basketball, win or lose, it, it's kind of tough. So, yeah, it does matter if LSU basketball is good, and this year they're exceptional. All right, let's talk a little LSU football here with Carter Bryant at Carter the Power. And a couple of guys had very good – that's for underselling it here – a great, gargantuan uh, days of the combine. Greedy Williams and Devin Wyatt just skyrocketing up the boards right now. A couple of other guys didn't, including John Battle. What do you think of all those guys? Yeah, I think uh, actually the, the player that helped him out the most – I mean, we knew Devin White was the best linebacker in this draft. Uh, there's some questions about Greedy Williams and his ability to stop the run, but when you're drafting a corner, you're drafting him to, to guard Julio Jones, not to tackle uh, Todd Gurley coming to the outside. So we knew those guys were going to be great. Uh, I think the big story is Foster Moreau, uh, a New Orleans guy uh, who had the fastest three-cone drill of all the tight ends. He was a guy that could do a little bit of everything. Is he an exceptional receiver? No. But he's good enough to catch passes, and we never really saw him in a big pass-catching role at LSU. And I still think he has room to grow there. And I think, you know, blocking tight ends, you know, the fullback has come out of style in the NFL. But what's in style are these jackknife tight ends that you could put in the backfield as a lead blocker. And Foster Morrow uh, served as that role. So, I think out of all the LSU players this weekend, he probably helped himself the most. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, and going back to Devin White, he just reminds me so much of Bobby Wagner. A sideline to sideline flyer, which is what you need now in the NFL. Uh, to a lesser extent, Luke Keekley, because I think Keekley's just a little more big and physical in between the tackles. But you're talking about that speed. Devin White has a chance to be the best inside linebacker, I think, in football in a handful of years once Keekley and Wagner decline here a little bit. I'm really excited to watch him at the next level. Yeah, the one good thing about Devin White is that you're not you're not going to get a bust. So if you draft him, you're getting a 10-year pro. And the one thing about Devin White is that off the field, he just flies in the tape. He flies in the locker room. He's one of those guys that's a team leader. And the one thing I, I wish – people can can really hammer this down because when LSU lost to Troy, okay, this was a program in disarray. You had Ed Orgeron having rough moments with Matt Canada at the time. You had a program deciding, why did we even hire this guy? You want to know who galvanized the locker room? A sophomore, true sophomore linebacker in Devin White. And he saved the team. And in a lot of ways, he saved the program because we could talk all we want about Dave Aranda or Ed Orgeron or whoever else. Ultimately, the success of your team 
comes from guys in the locker room getting other guys together that are college students that are distracted and has all these different things going for him. It's guys like Devin White. He was the one that got in people's faces. He was the one that's held others accountable for watching more film. And then that next week against Florida, Devin White went off, had the game-winning uh, uh, sack and forced fumble of uh, Felipe Franks. The guy's unbelievable. I mean, he, he simply is unbelievable. And it it would shock me, shock me, if he's not a Pro Bowl linebacker. It's Carter Bryant at Carter the Power. Uh, I am in no way a casual football fan. I am a diehard football fan, more pro than I am college, still a huge college football fan. But one of the areas of college football that I just never have gotten excited about is the spring game. Are you excited about this uh, spring football um, coming up here uh, for LSU, Carter? No, and I have the perfect fix for all of this. And it is so simple, Seth. It's so simple. I've done YouTube videos. I talk about it on my show, but, you know, I don't have a platform of a gazillion followers. I'm giving away, and I'm doing this for the SEC Network. I'm doing this for all these networks, uh, spe- uh, specifically the, the struggling Pac-12 network. Seth, I'm about to give you what we could do to fix all of this. Okay. All right. All right. And it's so simple. It is what we do at high schools around the country. Why don't we have seven on seven? Like, why don't we have that? Are you familiar with seven on seven? Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Everyone is now. And basically, for those that don't know, seven on seven is football without the linemen. Okay. It's, it's, It's a passing drill that turned into a game and it's a big deal. In fact, there's seven-on-seven teams like the Louisiana bootleggers that are out there. Uh, like, that's the name of the team, not like your Uncle Jimmy that you don't like at Mardi Gras. <laughs> um, right. No, no, this is a real thing. It's seven-on-seven football. Oh. And you play more seven-on-seven games in high school than you do actual football games. In fact, you play hundreds of them. And when you go to college, you just immediately stop it. It just ends. Players love seven-on-seven football. They don't like it. They love it. Guess what? One thing seven-on-seven football would do if you – and it doesn't have to be SEC team versus SEC team. It could just be um, LSU versus uh, Boise State or whatever. This would be great content. This would be something that we would actually like to watch. It would be one team versus another team. And the best thing about it is that you're actually getting work against other teams teams and here's what it does Seth. it provides competitive viewing stuff that we would actually watch it also makes your team better because if you go up against your own guys you're not really learning anything also it gives ratings content for these networks it gives us more football it gives coaches an opportunity to see who can actually play it allows passing games to develop this is easy Everybody wins. I don't know why we don't do this. But, you know, what we're going to do Seth, we're going to keep doing these spring games in pads <laughs> where no one's actually hitting in front of crowds of like 10,000 people, maybe 5,000 if you're lucky. It's stupid. This is an easy fix. Seven on seven football. Why don't we have it in the offseason for colleges? Who says no? Ah, brilliant idea from a brilliant mind here, Carter Bryant. Uh, I am curious here, sticking with college football into the pros, Kyler Murray has gone in the span of two, what, three months, four months now, three and a half months from, oh, he's probably a second or third round pick to, well, could be a first round pick if the right team wants to draft him. 
to he's the number one overall pick? What in the world's going on here? I like Kyler Murray. I thought he should have won a Heisman, but this is seems like a little bit in, of insanity here. It is. No one really knows. Is he undersized? Does he have a good enough farm? Does he have what it takes? Is he a good attitude? Is he a bad attitude? What exactly happened at Texas A&M? Was it the bad defenses he played against at Oklahoma? Is it just Lincoln Riley? You know, there's just question after question after question about Kyler Murray. And obviously, you know, he's going to test well in private workouts because he has a cannon. Um, you know, I, I do think for his draft stock, obviously there's a connection between him and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. And obviously if you bring him to – your team, you can't just run a traditional pro-style system. You would have to run a college kind of Patrick Mahomes type of system for Kyler Murray to be to be comfortable. So, you know, if the Cardinals don't take him at one, I, I could see him sliding some. But ultimately, I do think he'll be the number one overall pick because I do think these pro day workouts are just going to be too good. All right, one more thing here, and we'll, we'll briefly talk about the Pelicans. We've been talking so much Anthony Davis and the Pelicans on these conversations every week uh, that uh, we, we let it go because there wasn't really any news. But I'm going to give credit to Andrew Doak, the sports reporter and anchor for WWL-TV, because he said this first, and I thought it was so interesting and really right on. He says that Alvin Gentry is quickly becoming a folk hero here locally with Pelicans fans and the media for his handling of this situation. And, and again, I thought, well, you know, I hadn't really thought of that, but he's right, isn't he, Carter? I mean, Alvin Gentry all of a sudden has gone from the outhouse to the relative penthouse here, at least with the fans and the media. Yeah, you know, sometimes controversy can be the best thing for you. And with Anthony Davis kind of becoming the, the villain in this whole equation, it's been – pretty tough for for obviously Alvin Gentry to to deal with this but it's also given him an easy opportunity to be a hero you know I think he's answered questions well about this Um, I I think he's obviously a guy that had his hands tied behind his back because you have your own commissioner saying hey you got to play this guy he's one of our stars and then you also have the other side of it where obviously I know the Pelicans lost tonight but Overall, New Orleans has played better without Anthony Davis for large portions uh, of, of the season, especially since uh, uh, the, the Rich Paul trade announcement thing. So I think Alvin Gentry is a hero here in New Orleans, and I think he deserves another year with the team. It is Carter Bryant. And, Carter, I saw a, a little clip. I think you posted a little clip of your one of your stand-up shows. Right, uh, yeah. yeah. Talking a little uh, Nolan Richardson statue, right? Yeah, well, so here's the thing. Nolan Richardson, one of the greatest coaches of all time at Arkansas. They don't give him a statue. It's time for him to get a statue. They want his name on the court. I believe Dale Brown deserves a statue as well, but at least at LSU, you know, you have a Shaquille O'Neal statue there. I think you should honor your legends, and Nolan Richardson is the biggest legend in the modern era of Arkansas sports, and you know, one thing about Arkansas is that there's no other major sports teams in the entire state. So anytime you play Arkansas in anything, you're playing the entire state when you play the Razorbacks. And Nolan Richardson is the most important sports figure in the history of Arkansas modern era athletics. And he deserves what he deserves. And honestly, it, it does have a little bit to do with this race. And People kind of don't want to mention that, but it does, and he deserves that statue. So 
uh, that's basically it. And hopefully one of my heroes, Dale Brown, will eventually get one as well at LSU. Yeah, but, well, yes, and the, the, the darn court should be named after Dale Brown. I don't know how that Yeah, is. of course, yeah. Uh, Carter Bryant. Carter, I always appreciate these combos, man. We'll do it again next week. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. At Carter the Power. Carter Bryant, and if you're in South Arkansas, you're in that vicinity, yeah, listen to his shows, 107.1 FM, 1400 AM in South Arkansas. We'll take a break. Back with more here on the last lap. Oh, yes, LSU. Double winners tonight. One on the basketball court, 79-78 over Florida. Big win for them. Quad one win on the road against a team who's going to be in the NCAA tournament and a team that just beat you a couple of weeks ago in your own place. And baseball. They got a little revenge. I don't know how much revenge for that three-game sweep at the hands of Texas, but they took it out on Holy Cross tonight. 9-2, to two, that game just went final. The Pelicans, Pelicans basketball, they do lose uh, tonight. We've got a texter here texting in, talking about uh, Will Wade and saying this is illegitimate this season because of him being subpoenated by the FBI pro uh, uh, in the FBI's probe into college basketball corruption. Look, I talked about that story a lot, and I I spent an entire show here clapping back at people who said it's no big deal or it's not a big deal. But here's the thing: there's been nothing proven that Will Wade did anything wrong. But I do want to hear more about this, and I'll be curious to see what his testimony is and anything else that comes out of it. I am not going to be somebody who sweeps that under the rug at all. However, there's really no new details here, and let's be frank. Will Wade's done an amazing job with this team and this program the two years he's been here, period. Until we find out otherwise, that's the storyline I'm going with. 504-260-1870. Text line is 87870. Chris Daubertine. Bracketologist going to help us out with a little LSU bracketology next hour. We'll talk a little Alvin Gentry, folk hero, and sports libs. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.